Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast. I'm your host, Mike Saddam. Today, we have a special guest, Jeffrey Davidson. Now, Jeffrey is a professional speaker and is an expert in strengthening leaders and building teams. He's not only a speaker, but he's also a consultant and has worked with hundreds of teams, thousands of employees, and multiple Fortune 100 companies. So, Welcome to the Crucial Talks podcast, Jeffrey. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your goal is? Ooh, about me. Well, I, I like so many people think I'm funny, um, but I'm not certain anyone but me finds the jokes any good. Uh, but uh, on a more serious topic, um, I started off as a teenager and in college studying leadership. I even taught leadership in college. And by the time I was in my early 30s, I was president of a small sales company. And I realized that studying had nothing to do with leading. I was an abysmal failure as president. Um, so eventually I left that and went in consulting, you know, because you don't have to lead quite the same way. You just give advice. And someone asked me, would you build a team of analysts? And I said, sure, I can train your people and select them and get them all going. Well, over the course of a couple of years, I did accept a job with a client. I did become a leader and that team of analysts taught me how to lead. Um, I happened to go back into consulting. And I found that I kept on going from one team to another. And while there were always a couple of problems, people were at the center of it. And I had, by luck or by chance, picked up a whole bunch of skills and tools to help teams be great and deliver fabulous work. And that's really my mission. I just love it. So, so that's you, my goal. So you think, uh, from what I'm gathering from you, is you have this focus on people. As people, it sounds to me like you are a believer that people are a company's biggest resource. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. You know, I've worked with airlines, and there's no doubt that the plane costs a lot of money. But if you don't have the right people flying the plane, serving the passengers, maintaining the plane, uh, it doesn't make a difference how expensive that, that great big tube in the sky is. You've got to have the right people doing the right work. You're exactly right. The people are where it's at and the people are what, what really is important. And so that is why I think you're going to be a valuable guest on this show, just because what the Crucial Talks podcast is about is really how we get to that next level. How do we improve? How do we get beyond what we're able to do with policies and process and procedure? And it really comes down to how do we gain the benefit from the people? And so when we're talking about people, you, you talked about how you built a team how you built a group of people, how they taught you about leadership. And so on the podcast, we're constantly talking about group behavior, how people are social animals, and that this drives a lot of what people do. So this goes hand in hand with teamwork and improving our teams. So as a, a leader or any of the leaders out there or people that care about team performance, what is the first thing that a leader or somebody on a team should do to improve their team's performance? You know, I think there's so many first things, and it, of course, depends on where you're starting at. I think that one of the first things a leader needs to do is to say, here's what I was trying to do. How did I do? What did I do well? What can I build upon? And where could um, I have done better? Where should I refocus? And the reason I say the leader should start with that 
is because that shows a vulnerability and it builds a pattern of feedback loops where the leader is saying, I'm not perfect and I want to do my best. And they're setting an example for their people that I want you to do your best too. And we're going to have a culture of constantly being open and honest with each other. And that is, uh, I'm glad you said that because this, this concept of being open and honest leads me to think about the concept of trust, that if you have trust within your team, you're not protecting each other from each other, but you're actually looking outside for any threats. I call them threats, but really any challenges that are outside the team. Is that kind of what you're, what you're talking about? Um, it is part of what I'm talking about. And it's also building on that whole social dynamic. You know, as, as humans, we are social beings. And I don't know of any way we can achieve our potential without learning how we've done and figuring out how to get better. It, one thing leads to the next. So because of that, we have to have a chance to learn. And that's what I'm trying to do is I'm, I want teams to build a learning culture. And the learning culture is about those processes and policies and procedures that you mentioned, but it's also how did I do and how did I do against expectations and did I deliver what you wanted and, 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 and. So if we build up our potential as a learning organization, then we can direct that against those outside threats or those outside opportunities, whichever one you want to call it. Absolutely. Challenges or threats or opportunities. But the really what we're talking about is having this level of trust and openness within your team so everybody gets the benefit of learning from each other. You know, you're right. Uh, there was a study done by Google on what made, makes great teams called uh, Aristotle. And what they discovered is that that trust within team members is one of the biggest things. It wasn't their education background. It wasn't their experience. It wasn't their age or their years in the job. It was, do we have a, a group that trusts each other? Absolutely. So trust is one of those cornerstones we that constantly comes up in any leadership discuss, discussion. And I love what you said about the fact that this allows us to actually build this learning culture where we constantly improve and get better and hone the good things we're doing. Um, and one of the other things we talk about on this podcast is this notion of appreciative inquiry, which is, you know, looking at the positive things we do. So what I wanted to touch on is you said that one of the first things is to ask yourself some questions about the self-evaluation. What was I trying to do? Where could I have done better? But do you think there's also some value, this appreciative, positive look, but a value on saying, okay, what are we doing well and how do we, how do we do better in those places that we're doing well? How do we improve our strength? Do you see value in that also? Oh, well, and that's why I want the leader to be asking their team that. And then I want the leader to teach the team members to ask each other that. And then I want the leader to give feedback like that. Um, and I want to build something off of this appreciative inquiry. Cause when you say that I hear something in particular and what I hear is, and Part of this is my language, so correct me if I've got it wrong. But part of what I hear is everyone wakes up, looks in the mirror, and wants to do a good job today. Now, they may come in and do something wrong, but their desire is to do a good job. And with that, they may need direction. They may need redirection. That might need support. There's all kinds of things that might happen. 
in my career, I found so many times the person that was the bristliest, the hardest to work with, their intentions were pure and noble. So I, once I learn their intentions, then I can help them direct their good intentions to getting great results. So is that kind of where you're going with that? Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So basically what you just said is, hey, look, when we're doing this, we're doing this feedback loop. It's not about looking so much as deficiencies, but looking at the positives and how we can harness that toward these bigger goals. Even the people that you think are the, you know, the negative people or whatever, everybody does. And I agree with you 100%. People, people want that feeling of esteem and group belonging and trust. And they're trying to do a good job. So we're not actually telling people, hey, you're, you're out there looking for deficiencies because that deficiency mindset kind of looks backwards. But we're looking for the positives and how those positives can be used to get us further down the road. So once we get these, these teams together, once we have the group that we, that we want or that we're going to be working with, is there a secret for getting these teams on track and having them deliver? Oh, there is. And so much of that is just communicating um, first meaning. So that what is the big picture? What are we, how are we trying to make a difference to some client, some customer, some group, to the world? Um, and then how do we know we're working on the right stuff? In other words, what does success look like? If the leader starts with defining those two things, what's the meaning and how do we define success? And then everything else should be filtered through those as decision criteria. Is what I'm about to do going to help us be successful? Is it in alignment with what our meaning is, what our goal is for our organization? And I don't necessarily mean the whole organization, you know, if you work for the state, I'm not worried about the whole state government. I'm worried about what is your local department trying to do in your local community. Um, so, and then we filter our decisions and our actions through those two things. I think that you have incredible power when you get a group of people working together in that way. And that, uh, again, I'm not sure if you listen to every single one of the episodes of this podcast, but what you're talking about is exactly what I've said a number of times and what we call it is a superordinate goal, this bigger goal that no matter what role you play, whether you're a maintainer or an operator or a supervisor or an executive, but this superordinate goal that people in different groups can actually work toward or people with different backgrounds can work toward using their strengths. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you, when you talk about this big picture is giving people this vision on how they can make a difference? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's like you're a brother from a different mother. <laughs> I, I'm in complete agreement with you here, Mike. Okay. Well, it totally makes sense to me. And that bigger picture, that that vision, it sounds like, and, and I'm a big believer that human beings make decisions based on emotions, not only psychologically, but biologically, because of where the decision-making parts of your brain are at, that it's the same place as emotions. So when you're talking about this big picture and how we're trying to make a difference, how can a leader, do you have any tips that a leader can use to try to impact those feelings of people? I mean, we're, we we talked about the fact that people want to good, do a good job, and we talked about the fact that they're, you know, they want this level of esteem. So how can a leader try to try to paint this picture for people that can get them uh, to see that. 
Uh, well, there's a couple things. Um, first, I want the leader actually to go and ask their people, why do you think we exist? What is our meaning? What's our purpose as a group? Just pass out index cards. Have them write their, everyone write down their answer anonymously. Don't put their names on it. Have someone collect it and read it. And I've done this with a number of groups. And you'd be shocked how often the answer is a question mark or <laughs> make money or I don't know. <laughs> so the first thing is realize that your people don't know what the mission is. Um, I worked with a leader once who said, how come the people aren't aligned? And I said, when was the last time you shared what your vision for the group was? And she says, I share it all the time. So we started looking in old PowerPoint decks and we found it in a deck that was shared two years ago. In her mind, everyone knew it, but three quarters of the team had joined in the last two years. So first is understand where they're at. Second is come up with a statement, preferably a short statement, Twitter length, 140 characters, the old Twitter, and then use it, repeat it, talk to your people about it. And when someone comes to you with a question, say, here's our goal. Here's our big picture of meeting where we're trying to go. What decision could we make that's in alignment with that? Do that with your people and they will know you mean it. That is great advice. And one of the things you said, and this kind of made me chuckle a little bit, that some people put a question mark down because they don't know, but some people just put down to make money. So I'm guessing that making money isn't the main driver of performance. I, just having to answer this question makes me kind of choke <laughs> up a little bit. Oh, no, no. I mean, that's what the stockholders want. Probably, maybe. I don't know that we've even asked them. But no, the organization, the best organizations are here to serve some customer and make their lives a little bit better in some small way. And that could be, maybe you're a painter and you paint homes and apartments and you just want someone to smile when they walk into this room. That's a much better meaning or purpose than it is to say, we made 50 extra bucks today, or whatever, your, how many zeros you have. Absolutely, because uh, one of the things we do talk about is this, this fact that because human beings are social animals, that social motivators are much more powerful than market motivators or money motivators for another term. So that's exactly in line with some of the concepts that we talk about with human behavior and human performance. So then you talk about, okay, so we paint this picture of how we're trying to make a difference. It really comes down to what's the purpose? What is our purpose? What's the team's purpose? And then you said we need to be able to communicate what does success look like? So again, my guess is success is not that we make a ton of money. What would be yeah, success? Yeah. What would be that second step? Um, well, I... I've worked with teams and people, and so often they're not certain that they're working on the right thing. They're not certain how what they're doing contributes to some big picture. So we need to define not just the overall meaning, but how are we going to get there? So let's imagine that you're working for a nonprofit that digs well in impoverished areas where they don't have clean water. So that's, that's a great overall meaning. But does success mean we've raised money to dig wells. The success mean we put in one well a month. The success mean we bought equipment for 10 wells a month. The success mean we've impacted 10 people, or maybe it's 10 wells a month, not one well a month. 
Maybe it's equipment for 100 wells, not 10. Maybe we're impacting 10,000 people, not 100. Which is success? I don't know. You got to be clear on this, boss, or I'm not going to know what I'm doing and if it's the right scale and if it's the right thing. Gotcha. That makes sense. So the, the first step, your big picture, is kind of getting that vision on how people can make a difference. And the second one is is giving them some sort of metrics that gets them toward that that vision, that broader goal. Correct. Correct. So what am I working on this week, this month, this quarter, this year? And is that in alignment with what our big meaning, as I call it, or purpose or superordinate goal, I think you used? Um, are those things in alignment? So, so those little things you're talking about, of what does success look like? Do you think that can help these teams build momentum toward this, this idea of a great team? Oh, it does. In fact, I don't know how you can be a great team without knowing what you're doing. You know, you can put some of the world's best people in the room, but if you don't give them a purpose, they're just going to sit there. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have all the talent in the world, but they may be going all kinds of different directions. Exactly. Exactly. So this is really important that we work on those things. Okay, everyone. I'm going to break into the interview really quick here. After the interview, Jeffrey and I talked a little bit, and he really enjoyed the format we use on this show where we put in a movie clip or a clip from a show or some kind of audio clip that helps talk about the lesson and helps people understand the lessons that we're talking about during the episode. So listen to this next clip from Ocean's Eleven. Although they're talking about money, really focus on the, the intrinsic motivators, the things inside of them that are driving them, and how the message is given to them on what they're trying to accomplish, what their roles are going to be, and what success looks like. All the stuff Jeffrey was just talking about. Gentlemen, the 3000 block of Las Vegas Boulevard, otherwise known as the Bellagio, the Mirage, and the MGM Grand. Together, they're three of the most profitable casinos in Las Vegas. Let me see. This is the vault at the Bellagio. It's located below the strip, beneath 200 feet of solid earth. It safeguards every dime that passes through each of the three casinos above it. And we're going to rob it. Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Oh, yeah. This is courtesy of Frank Catton, new blackjack dealer at the Bellagio. Okay, bad news first. This place houses a security system that rivals most nuclear missile silos. First, we have to get within the casino cages, which anybody will tell you takes more than a smile. Next, through these doors, each of which requires a different six-digit code changed every 12 hours. Past those lies the elevator. This is where it gets tricky. The elevator won't move without authorized fingerprint identification. Which we can't fake. And vocal confirmation from both the security system within the Bellagio and the vault below. Which we won't get. Furthermore, the elevator shaft is rigged with motion detectors. Meaning if we were to manually override the lift, the shaft's exit would lock down automatically and we'd be trapped. Now, once we get down the shaft, though, then it's a piece of cake. Just two more guards with Uzis and the most elaborate vault door ever conceived by man. Any questions? No, tunneling is out. Their sensors monitoring the ground 100 yards in every direction. If a groundhog were to nest there, they'd know about it. Anyone else? You said something about good news? Yeah. The Nevada Gaming Commission stipulates that a casino must hold in reserve enough cash to cover every chip it play on its floor. That means, on a weekday, by law, 
It has to carry anywhere between 60 and 70 million dollars in cash and coin on the weekend between 80 and 90 million. On a fight night, like the one two weeks from tonight, the night that we're going to rob it, 150 million without breaking a sweat. Now there are 11 of us, each with an equal share. You do the math. Exactly. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Say we get into the cage and, and through the security doors there and down the elevator we can't move and past the guards with the guns and into the vault we can't open. Without being seen by the cameras. Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, well, say we do all that. Uh, we're just supposed to walk out of there with $150 million in cash on us without getting stopped? Yeah. Oh. Okay. So in that clip, we got to hear a group of people talking about what they need to accomplish. Yeah, it was about money. But the reality of it is, it's a good example of what Jeffrey's talking about. Understanding what everybody is striving to gain, what the roles are going to be, what they're supposed to do, and how to measure success. We also get to see the fact that this is a team. They work together. They trust each other. They're looking outside on what the threats are going to be, what the opportunities are going to be, what they can accomplish together. They're a team. They don't seem to be worried about threats from within. They're not worried about each other. They're worried about those threats outside. And having trust in your teams is a huge benefit because you can focus your attention outside. So let's go back to our interview now with Jeffrey and see what he thinks about this concept of teams and building the right teams. So another idea we talk about on this podcast is this idea of teamwork, how to get people to work together. And one of the ways we talk about is to have them identify with the other people they need to work with. In essence, what we mean is building a team. And what you, a lot of your experience, a lot of things you do is about this concept of building a team. And you built some teams on your own. So my question would be, what is the hardest part of building a great team? And how do we get over that hurdle? Wow. You know... I think it depends on the team. It depends on the, on the people and it depends on the environment. But what I found, and it's my current focus, this might change if you ask me again in six months. It's that so often our leaders are too busy doing something else that they're not spending the time with the people, communicating with the people, giving feedback, making sure we're doing the right things. The leader has a bunch of other obligations as well. And, they may not also have the training to work with the people. And the expectation is that they get their individual work done rather than build up a team of superstars. And that gets in the way of the entire organization achieving its purpose. Does that make sense? Was I clear there? It, it does. It does. It's, um, it's almost like sometimes we're trying to build this team, but we get in our own way. We're not focused on what that team needs, but we're kind of focused on our own needs. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying those needs aren't important, but if you're a leader, by definition, you've got people that you need to be doing care and feeding with to make sure that they're performing at their best. So having a level of empathy for the other people in that group. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, it's really important that um, the people really know, mm, 
Now, you, you said they need to know each other, but the leader needs to know them too. It, this, there's an investment here that we get to understand our people, that we get to understand what their strengths and desires are and their weaknesses, and then we help fit them into the best possible place for them and the organization so that we can achieve our mission. Okay, so we're we're talking about individuals within a group, and we're talking about concerning ourselves with their needs and what they need to do and how to give them purpose and how to how to make them fit within what our our bigger goal is. So it sounds to me that we have to have this positive influence on other people. For the listeners, for me, for my own general interest and, and curiosity, we want to know how to positively impact others. So how can we help people get better beyond this notion of the annual performance review that so many people are used to? We get this thing once a year. It tells us what we're doing, what we did in the past year. How do we get people to get better beyond that one thing that everybody's used to, beyond that annual performance review? Um, you know, imagine if um, – yeah, are you married, Mike? I am. Okay. So I imagine that you've got a great relationship and that your spouse is doing a wonderful job, you know, contributing to the family, helping you, um, maintaining the household, you know, kids, pets, the whole thing. If you were to say to your spouse, honey, you're doing a marvelous job. So good. I don't think you need any more assistance. I will check back in on you in a year. <laughs> yeah, I don't if think If you were to come back well. <laughs> for the next year's annual performance review, would your key still fit in the door? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, that just made sense to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, Kim Scott first came up with that explanation. But, you know, I, I love that because our people are like the most precious plant, the most precious flower in the world. But we have to give them nutrients. We have to give them water. We have to make sure they get the right amount of sunlight. And those are things that as leaders, those are expectations and feedback and opportunity. You need to give that to your people. You need to understand them and give them regular input, just like you would for a precious plant. Otherwise, it's like taking your precious plant, locking them in the closet, putting a special padlock on top and saying, don't open until next year. That plant or your people are going to suffer. You know, one of the things we've talked about before on this podcast is the notion of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how the top of the period is more of those social drivers like we talked about, and the bottom is more of those money or market motivations. And those annual performance reviews, they tend to be, hey, you're, you're doing good enough to keep your job and to keep getting a paycheck. But it doesn't really hit what you're talking about or what I think you're talking about is those higher levels of, of belonging and love and esteem and the things that people actually crave as social animals. Am I correct there? Well, you're right. I mean, it sometimes tells you at the bottom of the pyramid, you know, how much extra money you might make next year. But uh, as you work your way up the pyramid, it's how are you doing at your job? The people need to know. And you can't afford to tell them once a year. I'm not certain that once a month is enough. I'm in favor of giving people feedback every week or two to say, hey, I saw that you did this. Good job. I'd love to see you do more of that. Or, ooh, I see you tried this. <laughs> that one didn't go quite as you expected, did it? You know, we need regular conversation, regular input on how these things fit together. And then 
it will also help us as we move up the pyramid into how do we belong with the group? How does the group exist? Um, how do we fit with each other? Yes, it's it's the whole darn tootin' thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So this uh, this notion of the annual performance appraisal or the performance review, I think we can safely say that should be your bare bones minimum. You need to be doing more than that. Oh, I, you know, I'm not supposed to disagree with you, you know, because you're the host. But nope, that is not your minimum. <laughs> your minimum is far more than annual. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Well, I think that that point is uh, is very well taken and makes complete sense to everybody. And we're really talking about trying to help employees, help them succeed, help them have purpose, help them understand this bigger goal, help them feel that they're a part of something maybe even greater than themselves, helping them feel like they're a valued member of this team, of this group. So since we're talking about helping employees, and most of us are employees to somebody else or have been or will be in the future, so as employees, what are the unasked questions every employee needs to have answered. Okay. I've got a set of them and we've actually been talking about some of them. The first thing that employees want to know is why am I showing up? In other words, what's the meaning of the purpose? The second question, how do we know we're working on the right stuff? In other words, have we defined how we're going to get to that vision, that mission that we're working on, that overall purpose or meaning? The third is, when can we declare success? If, if you're working on a project, is it I've done everything in the project list or is it I've satisfied customers? Those are two different kind of criteria. The fourth question is, how do we get stuff done? In other words, what are our tools and processes that I need to follow and are those even the right things? Fifth question, how do we work together? What is the interaction between me, my colleagues, my bosses, if I have subordinates, if I have other departments, how do we work together? We need to know those things or we're going to be struggling. Sixth, how am I doing? They, people want to know how they're doing against all this stuff. And the last question is, is it real? If the boss says all kinds of highfalutin, important sounding very caring stuff. But the boss does something else, the people are going to sniff you out. And if it's not real from top to bottom, they're going to think, eh, it's just another job. I might as well hit the snooze button tomorrow morning because this one doesn't mean what they say. <laughs> no, and those are great questions. So when I hear them and when I look at them, what I see is give people purpose. Give people something to work towards. They feel like they are they are doing something that is worthwhile. And at the same token, now when you talk about working on the right stuff, that means that that they can see that, hey, not only do we have this purpose, but I'm actually contributing. Then they need to know, okay, so when do we know when we're when we're doing it right? And that's your notion of declaring success. Mm -hmm. And so then, and this is, you know, you've got the, the other questions are, how do we get stuff done? What tools do we have? Processes? How do we work together? Meaning, how do we, how do we interact? Yeah. And then, of course, the how am I doing, which is this, hey, get beyond this annual performance appraisal. Do it daily, weekly, monthly, whatever you need to do to give them the right feedback so that they stay motivated and working the right direction. But I really, exactly. really, really like the last 
question, number seven, is it real? Because to me, when you said that, the, the big word that popped in my mind was trust. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do they trust? Can they trust the leader? And that, I think, is probably a huge thing that um, that everybody really needs to focus on is this notion of, of trust in our teams. Because if we don't trust each other, how can we all work together toward that common goal if we think we're we're going to get stabbed in the back tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is it's all got to work together. You know, how we do the work, how we interrelate to each other, um, how I know I'm doing comparison to what are we trying to do as an organization, both today and in the big picture. It's a great big tapestry that weaves together. And when you get this right, you get a lot of motivated people out there doing whatever they can would at whatever cost to make a difference. And if you don't, they're going to hit the snooze button. And then they'll just kind of be coasting. Oh, yes. Just coasting. Not contributing. Absolutely makes sense. So we've talked about group behavior, how to influence others, and how people behave. And in other words, we're talking about getting this better knowledge about ourselves and our own behavior. And we've talked about influencing teams and these secrets to getting teams to work together and these questions, these seven questions that employees need to have answered so that they can continue to be motivated and perform to reach that goal. So let me ask you this. Human beings are social animals. Human beings want to be in groups. Human beings want to work together. So how much of a difference do leaders actually make to a team? I don't know any teams, and I work with teams that are called self-organizing, but even teams that largely manage themselves, they still need to know why they're together what their big purpose is, and how do we declare success. I think every team needs a leader. It might not be the whole picture. In fact, it's not the whole picture because the people make the difference. But if the leader doesn't set the environment and get rid of roadblocks, the team is going to suffer. So it sounds like leaders actually make a pretty big difference. Oh, yeah. They're the start of great success. That uh, That is... Absolutely true, in my opinion, that somebody needs to be able to hit these different uh, these different areas that that people, you know, people need certain things. People need to feel belonging. People need to have trust with others. People need to have this bigger purpose. People need esteem. They need all of these things that motivate them, but they got to get it from someplace. And I, I love what you said that even with your self-organized teams, they still need a leader. And leader doesn't have to be the title. Leader is the person that can answer these questions for people. Oh, totally. I, I'm in complete agreement with you here that it, it can be, and that the role can shift. It's not necessarily the same person working on all the answers to all these things together. The team can develop many of this themselves, but we do need to make sure that there's someone saying, here's our direction. And we do need to make sure that we have a right way to say that we're doing the right things to get there and we know how to declare success. Without that, you're still struggling. You're just kind of sitting in a circle. It's a pretty room with great people, but uh, you're not acting up to your potential. And I so love it when teams realize their potential. And I find when the teams are doing great, the people are overjoyed to be a member. That is uh, probably one of the best things you said because it's 
they want to be a part of it. They want to have this bigger purpose and know that they're accomplishing things, but not only that, but they're, that they're accomplishing things with other people. Oh, totally. Totally. Uh, we, we are social animals. The number of people who survive as hermits on this planet is less than one in a million. It really is. We need each other. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Well, that is, well, that's exactly what this whole podcast is about, is about human interaction, human behavior, human performance, but all based on the fact that we're social storytelling animals that can share experiences and count on each other. And I think that that could affect our families, our communities, our teams, our organizations, all across the board. So I really wanted to thank you for touching on all these different things that have so much value to everyone. And you gave us a ton of great information. I know there was a lot of information out there. I know people will probably listen to it again, take notes, but I think there's an easier way. And that is if you tell us what you offer to people and how they can get in touch with you. Oh, sure. No problem. Um, my profession now is I do speaking to large groups. I'll do a keynote talk or I do training at, for organizations. Sometimes I even do coaching of teams and the leaders. Um, but it's all in that, how do we help build these great teams? And how do we help leaders build great teams? Because that's what they want to do. Uh, so that's what I offer, folks. And the best way to reach me is through my website, greatteamsltd.com. That stands for Great Teams Limited, greatteamsltd.com. And for podcast listeners, I've got a couple tools, three of them, that I've already loaded up on a special page just for listening today that give you a couple tools to do some things we talked about, to get to know your team better or to talk about feedback, you know, or to help define your own meaning or purpose. And that's at greatteamsltd.com slash more. Go there. It's not a public page, but you can download these free uh, tools for yourself. And best of luck to you. Let me know how it goes. And give me a call if you want some help. That's great. And I will put a link to your website and also to that special page you have for everybody. Uh, I'm going to go there myself and download some stuff. So that's that's great information. And we really appreciate all your time. You had some great information. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully, if we have another opportunity to talk on this podcast, we'll do so. Oh, that would be a delight to me. You, you had great questions. And I can't wait to see the impact that these conversations, not just mine, but the ones that you have all the time with your audience, how it's impacting them as leaders and their teams. Well, thanks so much, Jeffrey. It's been, it's been a wonderful time and you have a lot of great info that gives, is going to give a lot of value to people out there. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Okay. So another interview related episode, and these are a little bit longer. This one's probably the longest so far, almost 40 minutes. We had a great talk with Jeffrey Davidson. And if you need to get a hold of him, his website is www.greatteamsltd.com, greatteamsltd.com. And if you put a slash there with more at the end, he's got a special page for all the listeners. Thank you again for listening. If you have any questions for me, if you want to be on the podcast or if you have anybody you think would be somebody that would be able to offer a lot of value to the listeners, please reach out to me at www.crucialtalks.com or LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Get a hold of me so we can get them on the show or get you on the show. I'd love to interview people that can offer something to everybody that listens to it. 
Again, if you have any questions for me, if you'd like me to speak at your organization, please reach out to me, www.crucialtalks.com, and I mean that wholeheartedly. You can contact me at any time with any questions, and I'll get back to you. Have a great week, and remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.